0: The following is a podcast from Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.livitmke.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our consideration tonight is from Mark chapter 13. Those words are found for you in your service folder. I'll refer to them shortly. Who is your go-to person? In a lot of different situations in life, you have your go-to people. When my car is not working, I go to Joe's service center. I I know Joe, and I trust him. He's a professional, he knows what he's doing, and he's going to take care of my car. If I need a heating and cooling guy, we're in in our first house and it looks like the heater and the air conditioner might be a little bit older. And if something goes wrong, I know I'm going to call Tim Bolt because Tim Bolt is a friend of mine and he works in heating and cooling. And I'm going to guess that he will fix my furnace if it goes and he'll give me a fair price on it. If I have a question... Uh, something that's bothering me. In the ministry, I will go to somebody like a colleague. I'll go to Nathan Strobel, who's been at Wisconsin Lutheran College for 16 years. He's been around the block. He understands the culture. He knows college people. And so I will go to him. If I'm hurting and I have a problem, I now have the benefit of having three pastors. I work with more pastors. I have the pastors here at St. Marcus now that I work alongside. I go to them to be renewed and encouraged, to be assured that my sins have been forgiven through Christ and that eternal life belongs to me. If I have an issue, I still oftentimes will go to my parents. I, I, I trust them. They have experience. They got about an extra forty years on me, and so I know that they have seen a few more things. No matter what your age and your age will determine who your go-to people are, we have very small children. Um, the go-to people are mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. In those middling years, when I say middling, junior high, senior high, college, where do we often go to? We often go to our friends, right? Those are the people that we trust. They become our posse, I guess you would say. And we're looking for affirmations so often from them. No matter what walk of life you are in, you always have those go-to people. But it's great to have those go-to people, when they are being led and guided by the truth of God's Word. But I'm afraid that all too often, we look all around us and we say, well, either the good counsel that you're giving me, I'm going to ignore, and I'm going to turn inwardly. Because that's how we're made. It's the end of the world, and we know it, and I feel fine because it's all about who you know. The reality is, is I know me and what makes me tick. There's a picture of, a, of, a, of Martin Luther here. This is a common um, artist's rendering of him nailing the 95 theses to the castle church at Wittenberg. He wants to have a a discussion and a conversation. And the reason that he wants to have this conversation is because the one that he has just learned about and come to appreciate, well, his good name and reputation is being ravaged. The God who loves us and sent his Son to be our Savior is being ignored. The Jesus who who paid for every single one of his sins was not the one that everybody was seeking counsel from. No, they were going to popes and bishops and people who were binding the consciences of individuals. Well, Luther knew exactly what a bound conscience was all about. Because, in, because the truth was, the person who Luther looked to for the majority of his life up to this point was himself. Who do you know? Luther knew how sinful he was. He knew how spiritually depraved he was. And when he thought about who was God, all he could think about was how angry and how mad God was. Look at who I am. How could God ever love me? My sins are stinky and filthy in front of a God who demands of me perfection. Perfection. Luther could look at himself and say, there is nothing good in me. Just like the Apostle Paul, there's nothing good in me that is in my sinful nature. There was desperation. There was was such great desperation that in a storm where he thought he was going to die, he said, I'm going to turn my life over to the Lord. I'm going to become a monk. I'm going to serve in your ministry, Lord because then maybe I can just get a little bit closer to you. The truth is all of us are like that at some point. We look at ourselves and we realize that every time I try to do a little bit better and I I try to get closer to God, well, I fail miserably. And instead of working my way up the ladder, I tend to fall back and feel even worse about myself. Luther wrestled with himself because he thought he was the only one who knew and understand who he was. We look at ourselves in the mirror every day and we see the blemishes of imperfection. We look to God's word and we see how many times we have fallen short of God's high expectations. Now, we can live in the despair that comes to us or we can be comforted by the fact that we know the end of the world is coming. Now I don't know about you, but I'm not into those big uh, end of the world movies that seem to come out every year. And I and I think I asked about it last week. Um, San Andreas, The Rock is in the is in the latest one. The San Andreas fault comes, the world is going to crumble, everything is going to fall down around us. We've got the day after tomorrow, and and all these other movies where the The seas are in upheaval and the United States is being wiped out by natural disasters and it's a wreck. And then how is everybody going to respond after that? Everybody's on the run and somehow people have the power to stop what's going to happen. No, people are not able to reform what has gone on in the world or what the end result is going to be. The only reformation comes through the truth of God's word and what Christ has done for us. Jesus is just about to go to the cross. He's in the middle of Holy Week when we read our text. He's, he's been teaching like crazy. He's trying to get the disciples ready. I'm about to, to go the way that my Father has, has, wants me to go. My whole ministry is coming to this head, to this point. It's the fulfillment of everything that has been expected of me. And he tells them to be ready and to be cautious and to be prepared. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famine. These are the beginning of birth pains. You turn the news on, you open a magazine. Some people still read magazines. You read the newspaper, even fewer people read those. But if you get your electronic device out and you look at what all of the headlines are, you hear of how our world is eating itself up. Nations are rising against nation. We've got natural disasters. Um, one, of, It's not natural, but one of the biggest disasters that just took place, a Russian air, uh, airplane, said it exploded in midair, 224 people dead. And the question always arises when you hear of all these tragic and terrible things is, where are you, God? Are you really present? Are you really taking care of us? And then, is this really the end? How much more are we going to have to endure? How much more tragedy will we have to to witness from a distance? But how much tragedy will we have to bear in our own lives? How much pain and heartache will I have to absorb as people around me continue to hurt me how much longer will I have to deal with this chronic illness or this chronic injury that never seems to go away how much longer must I grieve the loss of my loved one my mom my dad my sibling my grandparent a special friend who was always there who knew me the best how long, O oh Lord, must I suffer with the indignation that goes along with my sin? Well, there are those who would say, well, follow me. Follow, follow me and do the things of the world, the things of today's culture. Pre-marriage, pre-marital sexual activity. This is great and this is fun. Who are you going to hurt? What my eyes see on the internet, pornography and how that damages what the perception is of men and women, husbands and wives, and how that goes on and endures for such a long time. What kind of damage is being done in our lives here, right now, and today? We look internally and we understand that we are desperate and we are lost because the world and Satan and our own flesh, we want to look at ourselves and say, ah, we've got all the answers and these answers belong to us. At Jesus' time, there were these false messiahs for a couple thousand years thousands of years, there was this promise. The Messiah is coming, but he never came. And so, yep, I'm doing it. I'm the one. Look to me. Jesus is warning them. They're going to keep coming after me. But you, disciples, have seen the truth. You've heard me speak. You've seen the miracles. Put your confidence and your trust in me. Luther was... Affected by the thought that it was all about him. All he knew was himself. But once it was revealed to him, once he got into an in-depth study, and his two big books that he loved so much were, were Romans and Galatians, the assurance that the forgiveness of sins was free and full and unconditional and came through the merit of Jesus Christ alone That was the comfort and assurance that he had been yearning for. He realized it wasn't all about him. But the people, you might say, the the false messiahs who were trying to press all these laws and all these regulations on people and saying you've got to pay to help yourself get out of a place that isn't even recorded in Scripture, well, he had had enough. So he came up with 95 statements. And he said, let's talk about this based on God's word. Yeah, we don't want to talk through these. Just simply pipe down and mind your own business, Luther. Luther said no. Eventually he was called. He was called to what, what is called the Diet of Worms, the meeting in the city of Worms. 1521, three and a half years after he posts the 95 Theses. He won't back down. He's been told to be quiet and to shush. At the end of the meeting, he says, Unless I'm convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right or safe. God help me. Amen. Show me from Scripture what I need, because that is the only place that I can find true hope and I can find true confidence. The Reformation, we're celebrating the 498th anniversary it took place yesterday, comes on that night of Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, that night before All Saints' Day, the celebration of all those who have gone before who in faith trusted in their Lord and Savior. Why did Luther post them on that day? Well, because... November 1st was a day of obligation. Hopefully, you didn't feel obligated to be here tonight. But maybe you came here. Well, salt you. Yeah, you're obligated. I was obligated. Everybody else, though, you, you came here maybe because you're feeling a little low and you're feeling a little desperate and you're feeling a little hurt. Maybe you needed to find that encouragement, that love and care and compassion that only comes through Jesus. We have this gift in the three solas. We've got a, a, a cornerstone. We've got a, we've got a cornerstone that reminds us that it is by grace alone, sola gratia, through, through Scripture alone and through faith alone. This is how we have our comfort. Those three solas of the Reformation, how everything changed. This is the cornerstone at our seminary, the seminarium. Lutheranum, The Seminary of Theology that is Lutheran, 1928. Um, that seminary that we train pastors at. The fact that that bedrock, that cornerstone, comes through the words of God. And so when you read verses 9 here in Mark 13, you must be on your guard. Be ready. Stand firm. Be confident that it is Christ who has changed everything, Christ who is found on the pages of Holy Scripture. Because what's going to happen? There is going to be a time of testing and trial. We hear about it on an re- all too regular basis, and all too sad of a basis. People walking in to schools, walking into places of employment. Are you Christian? And if you are being gunned down, are you ready to take that bullet? It's not an easy question to ask. And yet we can be confident through Christ that there's something greater that waits for us because we know him. Jesus told the disciples, You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Luther, you're going to stand in front of those same people 1,500 years after Jesus. Dear Christians, we might not have to stand before the local councils to be flogged because of our Christianity, but we are in danger at all times. People don't love Jesus. But we do. We have found what we need in the words of the Bible. And it comes to us as we hear about grace, that undeserved gift that belongs to us. It's who you know, I know me, and I know my sin. But more importantly than that, I know my Savior. I know the one who came in the world and gave himself for me. The disciples would see the crucified and the risen Lord in just a few days we see Jesus in the words of the Bible as he comes to us. Because Jesus says, amidst all of this chaos and commotion, the people who are deceiving you, the wars and the rumors of wars, the nations against nation, kingdoms against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, all of these things, verse 10, gives us this comfort and joy, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. The good news of Jesus, what he was willing to endure to change our status before God. It truly is who you know. It was a revelation to Martin Luther. Once he knew Jesus, he knew that everything would be fine. Dear friends in Christ, as we look and see Jesus, as he bows his head and gives his life on the cross. We see him in action. We see him in love with us. We see him willing to do absolutely anything and everything so that we might have peace, that we might have joy, and that we might have comfort. Those times of testing, they may be difficult, but we are assured that we have the Holy Spirit that works in our hearts who created that saving faith and that gives us the willingness to stand up in the face of persecution. Wherever you, whenever you are arrested or brought on trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given at that time for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. The disciples were, were told to shush And not talk about their faith. But they said we must obey God rather than men. Martin Luther was told to Shush, but he said, I can't go against scripture in my conscience. Here I stand. God help me. No matter what you're gonna do to me, I trust in my Savior. Dear friends, we also need a reformation. You might say, we need reforms in a whole bunch of different places. And we, when we hear that word reform, we think of government. We think of community. We think all of these things on the outside need to change. But nothing's going to change unless something changes inside of us. That reform that takes place through Jesus our Savior and that Holy Spirit working in us. Because we can be the reformers. Once we understand the Reformation that has taken place through Jesus, planted in us through the Holy Spirit, we'll go out there and we'll share that message. We'll take that gospel into our communities, to our neighbors, to strangers, to the ends of the earth. We look forward to the end of the world because we can feel fine knowing God's grace and his mercy and his power dominates everything else. So are you prepared? Are you prepared for the end? I'm prepared if my car goes down. I'm prepared if my furnace goes down. I'm prepared if I'm in need and need some good counsel from good Christian brothers and sisters, from my family, from my family of faith. But I'm ready because I know everything is going to be fine because I know Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.